Chairman Caleb Collier says that this proposal is meant to protect their Second Amendment rights. I'm proposing that the city of Spokane Valley issue a proclamation stating that our city is a Second Amendment sanctuary city. On Church and State, South Park mocks Hollywood with gender race swap special. We'll also be covering dinosaur legs grown on genetically modified chicken embryos. Just why? Plus, David and his giants. Hello, Christian patriots, and welcome to Church and State, where we strive to plug you into the pew and plug you to politics. I'm your host, Caleb Collier, once again, your favorite far-right shock jock and the most schizophrenic show you listen to on a daily basis. I just had another comment about that. Yeah, we're schizophrenic on this show. So, yeah, just go ahead and get used to it because I hate to disappoint my fans. We were talking about this a little bit earlier, Chris, how I've got adoring fans. Is that how you described it? Adoring fans. I do. Mostly my mom (laughs) and Gabe's mom. She likes me, too. Anyway, go on over to churchandstate.media. Take advantage of uh, all of the great shows that we have on here. I'm begging you, download these things, share them all over the place. Uh, You know we've got good content. You know that it's going to be a high-octane show that we're going to be covering a lot of different subjects that you're not necessarily hearing from the mainstream media. So go ahead, take advantage of that. Download and share. Also, as you well know, we are finding ourselves in a position where we've got to fundraise, and it's not fun. I don't like fundraising. I don't like asking people for money. But we got to do it. If we want to remain on the air, now's your chance to uh, put your money where your mouth is, as it were. Or maybe put your money where my mouth is. Maybe that's more appropriate. Anyway, some of the great ways to do that is to take advantage of all of our fine affiliates. Look, we're talking about a lot of different things these days. And uh, mostly, it's scary. It's wars. It's rumors of wars. So one of the best ways that you can get prepared is to go on over to My Patriot Supply. Chris knew where I was going. You could see that, didn't you? Yeah, you knew it with the topic. Anyway. Take advantage of that. Get some storable food. Look, you do not want to be a victim of the government breadlines. You do not want to look to the government to secure you, to make you happy and safe. So the best way to do that is to be self-reliant. So get some storable food. Get some items that are going to make sure that you are going to not just not just survive, but potentially even thrive in whatever's coming at us. So use the promo code church and state for that. Also, donate to us. You can do it a few ways. You can give us a Satoshi. I've gotten to, I've learned that word. Chris is taking me under his wing and, and made me an understudy there. So get us, a, get us a Satoshi or just give us hard-earned cash, okay? And you can do that through the uh, just the donate button right there on the top of our screen. It's super easy for you. Lastly, if you want to get a hold of us, Church and State 1776 at proton.me. As always, I like your emails. I like interacting with you. Sometimes it's boring just to sit here and stare at a camera and talk with uh, myself. Actually, I don't ever get bored talking with myself. I have a lot of interesting things to say. Speaking of interesting things to say, I've got a guest in studio. It's awesome. All right, I've got a reporter here from Range, my friend Aaron, who, uh, as I've told you before on this show, I like. We don't agree on some things, maybe even a lot of things, but I like him. And he's been a very fair reporter. He has been uh, a guy that has quoted me accurately, and that's all I ask. So he's in studio, but my engineer over here and the reporter over there 
they just gave themselves high fives because they don't eat meat. What is wrong with it? This makes me angry. And I, I got to tell you. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Yeah, you, you definitely wouldn't like me angry. Like this, this makes me want to coat myself in oil of bacon. You, you know that delicious scent. Women come flocking to you. I, I, I do. I, I, I want to eat beef jerky on camera in honor of these guys. Wow. I'm just going to eat meat the whole time because it made me angry. I don't get it. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand veganism or vegetarianism at all. <laughs> Chew with my mouth. I can't. I'm eating beef jerky. <laughs> and actually, if you agree with me, write me. Church of State 1776 at proton.me. Is there something wrong with people who don't eat meat? I think so. I think so. And I'm always reminded of Romans 14, uh, 2. You remember when I made you look that up, Chris? Oh, yeah. Look it up. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. All right. Let's get into the stories. First, let's get into a little bit of comedy, if, if that wasn't enough. But uh, you all remember the show South Park. Great show. Uh, can't watch it as a Christian anymore. But I remember it as a teenager. It came out that long ago. I was watching this before I went into the Marine Corps. And uh, it was great. They made fun of everything. One of the beauties of South Park is that literally nothing is sacred. They will go after anything and everything. And that's why the shows remain so popular. That's why shows like this, and there are many others as well, that have come out and poke fun at the wokeism that is now Hollywood. Well, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but lately Hollywood's been doing a number of stories where they've replaced characters that were written in because a lot of these movies are old tales old classics they're written in and the people who uh, were the character were white were caucasian there's nothing wrong with that but now like they're doing snow white and snow white like as the name would imply is caucasian not in the new one or how about the little mermaid yeah we remember that we watched the movie I'd, I've had to watch that movie multiple times with my daughter. She's a redhead. She's a white mermaid from under the sea. Falls in love with a prince. Trades her legs and, well, actually, trades her voice for her legs. It was a great animated movie. Great songs. They're also upset, by the way, with Sebastian over there because he's a caricature of, like, Jamaicans. Nobody thought about it back then. They just liked the songs that he did. He was a funny character. Beat up the chef. But that's, that's currently what's going on. And now, Hollywood, if you even want to be considered for an Oscar in Hollywood, you have, have to have a certain number of characters that are BIPOCs, black, indigenous, people of color. And if you don't have enough of those characters in your movie, well, there goes your Oscar. So they're changing all of these. So South Park had a solution for this. They decided to replace every single one of their characters with women, with BIPOCs, and it's hilarious. Chris, do you have the video for us? Brand new exclusive event with all your favorite South Park characters. There's Cartman. I had explosive diarrhea all night. Stan. Dude, school is going to be so awesome today. Butters. Oh, hamburgers. And oh my God, they killed Kenny. I like there it is. There you go. <laughs> That's the solution nowadays. 
If you want to make sure that Woke Hollywood is appreciative of the work that you're doing, you got to just do that one thing. Replace any character that is Caucasian or male with a female BIPOC. You're going to be successful. That is a recipe for success. I I namely had you play that video because it's hard to talk with a mouthful of jerky. (laughs) <laughs> so I had to have that video played there. But yeah, that that's what we're at, okay? And I love that they're making fun of this in the most appropriate of ways because that's what comedy does for a lot of us, okay? There used to be a time in this country when stand-up comics would get up before a crowd and make fun of everyone, and we all laughed, and that was okay. And now we come to a point where stand-up comedians go to a college and they get booed off stage, and nobody laughs. Are we really going to be in that much of a safe space where we lose our sense of humor? Because I don't want to live in a world like that. I don't want to live in a world where I can't laugh at certain stereotypes that are just funny. Yeah, I, I served in the Marine Corps and I had friends of every single walk of life, all different colors. My best friend, we were such an odd couple. My best friend in the Marine Corps was a six foot four black man. He was absolutely ripped. And we went everywhere together. And I didn't care that he was black and he didn't care that I was white. And that's going to be the solution. We can't allow the mainstream media, we can't allow the talking heads Hollywood to separate us over issues of color. Nobody, nobody that I know of, sure, there's a, there's a few cases of racism here and there, but nobody I know of cares about any of that. We care about what Martin Luther King Jr. said, that people would be judged by the content of their character. That's what really matters in this world. It doesn't matter if you're Asian or black or Caucasian. We don't care. We don't want to know who you are. We want to know your story. And we can certainly watch movies or cartoons in this case and not care that some group, some people group isn't represented. It doesn't matter to us. Funny is funny. We're going to continue to watch stuff like this because it makes us laugh. And laughter, perhaps, can unite us all. Moving on from there, it's just one of the weirder stories. I got to tell you, when I saw this thing come up, I just shook my head in awe and wonderment. Dinosaur legs grown on genetically modified chicken embryos in world's first. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, you know those uh, gigantic lizard-like creatures that were capable of uh, killing a man? with one bite, one swoop of its tail. Yeah, let's bring those things back. That's a great idea. No. Come on, guys. Yeah, thank you. What a great song. Chris didn't even know what this song was. It's beautiful. That's what we're all thinking. As soon as we read a story like this, that's exactly what we're thinking. Have you not seen the movie Jurassic Park? Go ahead and cut it, Chris. Have you not seen this movie? Did you remember going to the theaters and the first time you saw this thing, you're like, wow, that's incredible. Bring back the dinosaurs. And then all of a sudden people start getting eaten. Look, science, I think, and and we're going to have a quote from Jeff Goldblum here, but he said it best here. Did you even think about the possibilities of maybe this isn't ethical? Maybe this isn't the right thing to do? No, you were so focused on your ability to be able to create this life. Go ahead and roll that clip for me. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think they should. 
there he goes from the wise words of an individual who almost got eaten by a dinosaur. Listen to this first paragraph. I, I was reading this to my uh, crew in here. 66 million years ago, the age of the dinosaurs came to a dramatic close as a huge asteroid impact accelerated them on a path toward extinction. Not all of them died out. However, those that survived went on to, on to become today's birds. And I read that and I went, I don't agree with anything they said. Not a word of it. 66 million years ago, are you sure? I, I, was, I was actually, I, I posed the question to my, my crew in here. When did scientific theory just become scientific fact? We don't know that this came about. We don't know that a huge asteroid impact is what made dinosaurs extinct. We don't even know if all of them died out. How about Loch Ness Monster? How about Bigfoot? Do we know? We're not entirely sure that all of them are extinct. And then to become today's birds? Really? That's what happened? I thought a crocodile was still a dinosaur. That's what science tells us. When did it become unacceptable to start questioning some of these things? There's plenty of people on this world that believe in young earth. That believe when the Bible says that it's about six to 10,000 years old, that that's a fact for us. But no, science has decided that this is the case. And so if they say it loud enough and they teach it in all of our public indoctrination centers, well, then it's scientific fact. But let's go on. Let's, let's continue on with this story. They're engaging in reversed evolution, and they're actually using science to create dinosaurs in the embryo. Now, what are they going to do there? Of course, they assure that there's, there's no risk here at all because they, what they do, they destroy life after they've created it. Let's not get into the ethical questions about that. But still, growing dinosaurs... To do what with? And I personally, I don't trust our government farther than I can throw them. Now, we've got a very big government, so I don't think I can throw them very far. But what are the possibilities here? They've already engaged in so many scientific experiments over the years against their own people. Giving black men syphilis and not treating them. Let's go into the Holocaust and the horrific tortures that they engaged in on the Jewish community. Are we really going to trust a government to create dinosaurs and then not use them? I mean, let's get into the sci-fi world here. Maybe they create dinosaurs and send them into a nation before they invade it. I know that sounds fantastical, but I don't put anything past these guys. This is something that I would hope there would be enough public outcry over this that we could put this thing to rest. And say maybe they're extinct for a reason. Maybe God in his infinite wisdom decided to flood the earth. And part of that flood ensured that we didn't have to contend with dinosaurs anymore. Speaking of dinosaurs, I got to ask, this is a serious question here. As a kid, there were some very important questions that we wrestled with. Questions that no matter where you went, you could go to the local Chuck E. Cheese, you could be out on recess... And you could guarantee that some other child was going to come up to you and ask you one very important question. And that question was, what's your favorite dinosaur? Now, when did we as a society decide that that was no longer acceptable anymore? When did we hit a certain age to where nobody asks you what your favorite dinosaur is anymore? 
I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to say this to my audience from now on. If you see me out on the street, ask me what my favorite dinosaur is. I'm going to be happy. I'm, we're bringing this back. Okay. We are bringing this back. People are going to start talking about what their favorite dinosaur was. In my case, it's the Ankylosaurus. This thing's like built like a tank. It's got spikes all over its back and its side. It's got a big club tail. That thing's a beast. If I could ride a dinosaur, I'd want that. That'd be my pet. You know, like He-Man style or something. Chris, what's your favorite dinosaur? Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus, why? Well, he's big and wise and he eats vegetables. <laughs> Pat, what's your favorite dinosaur? I got to hear this. I licked pterodactyl. Pterodactyl? You like, you like the flying ones? Uh, yeah, anything that flies. Aaron, you got a favorite dinosaur over there? No? <laughs> They're all like going. the little ones that run around and uh, the, the really small ones that are like two feet tall. I don't the know what they're called. Not the raptors. Comptosaurus or something like that? I don't know. Why it's, do you, second, it's in the second movie. Why do you like the little ones? I don't know. They're cute. <laughs> the size of a cat. <laughs> he wants a pet dinosaur. I think that's why. I don't have any good reasons for having a favorite. Okay. But nobody said the T-Rex. Why not the T-Rex? I expected one of you to say the T-Rex. No? No answers? I think I know why. I, I got a video clip for it. Chris reminded me of it, actually. Go ahead and play that one for us. For the radio audience, it's Meet the Robinsons. If you haven't seen this movie uh, with your kids, you got to watch it with them. It's it's actually pretty fun. And the 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 bad guy in it has a henchman that is actually a T Rex, and he's trying to catch the boy. And he asks him why is why hasn't he caught the boy yet? And he and his response is because I have a big head and little arms. That's why we don't like the T Rex right there. <laughs> All right, enough of the jokes. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on to really. And actually, this is a perfect transition point. Okay, I was talking about dinosaurs or the Nephilim since I recently got accused on a show, which I wasn't even a part of, of only talking about the Nephilim. Here you go, guys. I'm going to talk about the Nephilim again. Okay, dinosaurs, I believe, through reading the Book of Enoch, were in fact Nephilim, and I think that's why they were destroyed in the flood. Now, let's go into a little bit more of an accepted version of the Nephilim, at least biblically anyway. Goliath. Goliath was Nephilim. Goliath was a giant. He was the offspring of angelic beings that came to earth and mated with females, human females. Okay. And that's Genesis 6, 4. Now, Goliath is an interesting character because he comes in uh, after the flood. So clearly they existed post-flood as well. But I wanted to talk a little bit about David and his, his uh, interactions with this giant. Now, uh, there's a very famous story. Everybody I mean, even non-Christians know about the tale of David and Goliath. But what is it? It's it's this giant. This this, and it's not just him. There's he has brothers as well. So there's these this group of giants, and they're in the Philistines, and they challenge the Israelis, the people of God, to combat. And of course, the armies meet, and Goliath comes out, and he challenges just one man to come and engage in combat with him individual combat, and whoever wins, well, that'll be the victor of the entire war. 
And of course, because this man stands so tall, because he's so huge and has these massive weapons, every single person on the opposing side is fearful of him. Enter David. David, a small shepherd boy who was overlooked by his brothers, by his father. He gets sent to feed his brothers. And he hears the challenge that Goliath is given every single day. And he says, why is, why is nobody accepting this challenge? What, what is this uncircumcised Philistine? And they tell him to be quiet, and they shush him. But David won't be shushed. I know that. I'm unshushable myself. But he won't be shushed. He won't be quieted. And so he accepts it. And he's put in armor, and the armor is too large and cumbersome, so he takes it off. And ultimately he says, I serve the living God, and I'll defeat this giant. And sure enough, with one rock and a sling, he embeds that rock deep into his forehead and then uses the uh, giant sword to behead him, which we have a picture of on screen. Now, why do I bring this up? Why is this an important tale for us to understand? Because David easily took on this giant. And there are so many of us out there that have our own giants. You see, for someone like me, a giant that I can easily take on is one of tyranny. I naturally want to fight tyrants. I'm going to pick a fight with the bully because I despise them. And some people say it's a brave thing to do. No, I just can't help myself. David easily took on Goliath, that giant, and defeated him very quickly. But later on in life, David lost to another giant. And that giant was named Bathsheba. You see, true courage is recognizing your own weaknesses and then doing something about that. So I want to challenge you, my audience. What is your giant? What do you struggle against? Not the ones that are easy to identify and not the ones that you naturally are inclined to fight. What are those giants, those hidden sins that you wrestle with daily? You lose constantly. Those are the giants that we need to be taking on as Christians, as a greater moral society. These are the issues that are really taking down America. If we can't deal with our own issues and our moral code, why do we expect our elected leaders to? And are we even going to elect leaders that are moral, religious people? See, if we really want to change this country, it first has to come from within. It has to come from you and I identifying these weaknesses, identifying these giants in our life, and then having the courage and the boldness to stand and to not fight this battle alone. Because unlike David, we're not going to be able to slay this giant on our own. We need help. We need individuals in our lives that we can come alongside with and share the struggle that we're going through without fear of repercussion, without fear of gossip, 
You need to get those types of individuals in your lives. Friends that you can count on. Religious leaders. They're going to come alongside of you and educate you and pray for you and keep you accountable. That's truly what we need. And then once we deal with those secret sins, those giants in our lives, then we can start addressing some of the other things, the other things that we've been given authority over. Men, I'm, sp- I'm speaking specifically to you here. You've been given authority of self. And from there, it extends outward. From there, you have authority over your family. So once you can tackle these giants, then you can st- start leading your family appropriately and in a godly way. And once your family's on track, then what? Well, the Bible tells us that there are certain standards that a man has to meet in order to serve within the church, in order to be an elder in the church. Your family has to be put together in order to fulfill that role. So once you tackle that giant, you can move on into the church and church government. And you can start ensuring that your church is one that stands on biblical law, on God's plans, on his values. And you can start seeing a transformation in your church to where, no, they don't just preach a message of love Jesus and accept everyone. No, they're bold, bold in the word of God. And when a church starts being bold in the word of God, well, that creeps into culture. And when we start to see God reigning supreme in culture, that's when we see a radical transformation of America, a revolution, one that brings us back instead of forward, back to our original intent, back to a love for Jesus, not forward into a progressive nature, not forward into communism or socialism maybe even veganism. (laughs) No, that's not the forward that we desire as Christians and as patriots. We desire to see a return to liberty, a return to morality. But it's that process, the one that I just described, that's going to be your solution. Remember it. Start tackling the giants in self then the giants in family, then the giants in church. And then we can slay these Nephilim of the state. And I guarantee you it's going to be an incredible time. It's amazing to actually consider that the solution can be something that simple. That the solution is truly boldness, but not in the way we typically imagine. That boldness is going to require self-change. Boldness is going to be to where you're okay as a man with being uncomfortable. Where you're going to be all right as a man with being vulnerable. Vulnerable with the people that are there, that God has placed you into your life to be able to assist you and to help you grow. I think that's the solution for every single issue that we face as Christians and as patriots. 
Church and State is sponsored in part by Patriot Church and the Constitution Party. I'm Caleb Collier. I was born for a storm. Welcome to the fire.